Hey guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. Risen. Ooh. Risen indeed. He's risen indeed. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm so glad you came to uh, worship with us. Uh, here and worship our risen Savior, right? Uh, two days ago, uh, we had had a Good Friday service that Andrea and I attended, um, and it's one of those where we're, we, we get to be happy today because we know he's not in the grave anymore, right? Uh, the sacrifice he made on the cross had accomplished so much, and him rising from the dead was that fa- was the proven that fact. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and stand, and let's sing Christ is Risen. Christ is risen from the grave. 
Amen. 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 Before the resurrection, all that can ever be said was, out of death came death. Out of death came death. That was it. But after the resurrection, there was a new message. Out of death comes life. And in Mark 16, when the angel stood there by the tomb, he said, you're looking for Jesus. He is not here, for he is risen. Out of death had come life. Let's bow together. Father, because of the resurrection, we face either life or death. Without Jesus, there is no hope but an eternal separation from God. But because of the resurrection, because you live, we can have life. So, Father, we would ask as we go through the message today and as we look at this passage of Scripture, 
and as we flow through with the music, and all of it will fit together to help us to see that on that day, it was the Lord. And on this day, it is still the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder, are you looking for Jesus today? If you're looking for him on the cross, you won't find him there. You've got to take him off the cross. And if you're looking for him in the tomb, he's not there either. You're going to have to take him out of the tomb. Have you ever stood by the graveside of someone that you loved? you recall memories of that person as you're standing there? Maybe you recall the good times you shared, maybe even the tough times that you experienced together. What you cannot do is bring that person back to you. Today we're going to meet two men who face that dilemma. But there's another thing I want to ask you this morning, and that is, did you bring any luggage with you? any baggage with you today. And I'm not talking about that's made out of cloth or metal or tin or whatever they make uh, baggage and suitcases out of. I'm talking about that which is made out of burdens. Maybe a suitcase full of guilt. Maybe a sack of discontentment. Maybe a duffel bag of weariness and just plain tiredness. Maybe a handbag of grief. Maybe a backpack of doubt, an overnight bag of loneliness, a trunk of fear. See, no wonder we're so tired at the end of the day because we are carrying all these burdens. And today we're going to meet two men who are carrying burdens. And of all the days they should be carrying them, they were carrying them on the resurrection day. Now, I wonder this morning, have you come here on this Easter Sunday morning carrying a burden? Turn to me, if you will, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, whether you're on your electronic devices or your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to read through the story, and then we're going to vacillate back and forth between Derek and I telling you about this story. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Now behold, two of them, these were disciples. We don't know which ones. We're traveling that same day, the same day of the resurrection to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. So about the uh, distance from maybe Fort Collins to Wellington, about seven miles. And they talked together of those things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? They're standing around. They weren't even making progress. They were sad in their countenance and in their conversation. Then one of those, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Yeah, you don't think Jesus knew them? He'd experienced it. And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and of our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one that was going to redeem us, redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. And certain of our women and of our company who had arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find the body and came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb. Of course, we know that to be Peter and John. And they found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart. Mark the word heart because we're going to see it several times. The heart is the important thing here. O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all of their scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent, and he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures to us? So they arose that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered, saying, The Lord is risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. And they also told of things that they had happened to them on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread.
song shall rise to So what I want to look at first uh, about these two men is I want to look at their spiritual condition. The spiritual condition of these two men. The first thing about their spirit that we see is that their spirit and they had lost hope. They had lost hope. In verse 21 it says, we were hoping. See, there was a time when their hopes were high. They trusted that Jesus, Jesus was the one who would redeem Israel. They walked with him, no doubt. They talked with him. They saw him as their redeemer. The hope that they had was in Jesus Christ. But as the sun was about to set that day, a darkness would soon fall, and a darkness was setting in on their hearts as well. See, Jesus was dead. They could never see him again or hear his words again. Traveling to Emmaus, they were convinced that they had lost their Lord. Having lost him, they have lost their hope. No doubt many times in your life, you had put your hope in something that maybe disappeared, maybe died, maybe wasn't what you had expected at some point. And see, these men, they had hope in Jesus Christ, but their hope wasn't in the accurate description of what Jesus was going to do. Their hope was that he was going to redeem Israel as a king. But in fact, their hope should have been that he was going to redeem them as their savior. So the question I have for you is, have you lost your hope in Jesus? Was Christ once real and alive for you, but now is dead? Not as real as he once was. The so first, their spiritual condition is that they had lost hope. Secondly, they had lost their gladness. Verse 17 says, as you walk and are sad. There was a lack of joy upon their faces. There was a look of sorrow. I have no doubt many of you know what that looks like. Maybe if you, if you've experienced that before. Here they were with, with, with a hopeless downcast face. And the crazy thing is the risen Christ was standing right beside them. And yet they weren't filled with joy, they were filled with sadness. You can hear in the tone of their voice, they were saying, we were hoping he was the one. We had hoped in Jesus, but he let us down. When Jesus was alive, there had been gladness in their hearts. But now they had been abandoned. They felt deserted. The question to you is, have you lost your gladness? Does anyone here feel abandoned or maybe deserted by God? The last thing about their spiritual condition is that they had not lost any desire, though. They had not lost any desire. Verse 14 says they talked together. They were communicating with each other about this. Verse 22 and 23 reads that they did not find the body in an angel who said he is alive. See, they went back to the tomb. They had a desire to find this Jesus. 
And even though they may have lost their hope and they may have lost their gladness, they did not lose this desire, this passion for their Savior. So as they walked, they still talked about Jesus. They never understood how much they needed Jesus, though, until they had lost him. Maybe some of you have felt that, where you didn't understand how much you needed something until it was gone. Let's look at what their desire was. Their desire was that they wish they knew where they might find him. They wanted to be with their Savior so bad. They didn't know where Jesus was. They had heard he was alive, and they wanted to find him. Is anyone here today saying that? Are you saying, I wish I knew where I could find him again? See, maybe you've become careless. Maybe you've become prayerless. Maybe you're backsliding or just just overall worldly right now. But are you coming to the place where you are beginning to realize what you have lost? And that's the joy and the hope that we have in Jesus. Do you still desire him and realize you can't live without him, though? See, this is the spiritual condition of these men. They had lost their hope and gladness, but they did not lose that desire. Maybe that's what has drawn you here today. You knew it was Easter. Maybe you don't have hope. Maybe you feel kind of deserted and lost right now, but Jesus is alive. You have that desire to find him. So after this, we're going to look at, Pastor Ed is going to talk about the spiritual condition and how Jesus remedies this. But before that, I want us to sing a song. We're going to sing a song, the song Above All. And as we sing that song, and the worship team makes their way out here, I want us to to really think about it because we have the privilege of hindsight. We have the privilege of the word of God. Sometimes I like to think about if if I had never read the Bible before and I'm reading through this story and then Jesus gets sacrificed, how would I feel? Would I feel like these men? But we in fact know that Jesus is alive. We in fact know why he died. The reason he did all that was because his love for us. So in the song, Above All, we we think about uh, how Jesus was dying and sacrificed on that cross, and his thoughts were towards us the entire time. So let's please stand and sing that song. Oh, wonders the 
said, if you're not dead, then you're not done. Get up and get something done. And I thought about that. Jesus isn't dead. You are not dead. He got up because there's something yet to be done. 
And he's speaking to you today because there's something yet to be done. There had to be something done to these men as they walked on their way to Emmaus. Now I want us to go take a look at that. How did Jesus meet the spiritual condition of these men, and how is he going to meet your spiritual condition today? First, he showed the necessity of his death. It was absolutely necessary that they understood that Jesus, first of all, died. Look at verse 26. It says, Ought not the Christ have suffered these saints to enter into his glory? They have not grasped the need that Jesus had to die. They had hoped that he would reign. They would hope that he would become king, that they would be part of that new kingdom, but they did not expect him to die. They dreamed of a throne, but not a cross. I don't know what you're dreaming about. I don't know what your future dreams are, but it has to start here before we can ever get to anywhere else. Jesus met them, and they learned that his death was not an accident. It wasn't a tragedy. It was the greatest of all necessities. He had to die, or we would have no standing before God. They saw the meaning of God through the death of Jesus, and that was glory. He had to die to bring glory to the Father. And I want to suggest to you that the first step in fellowship and peace with God and with one another is to come face to face yourself with the death of Jesus Christ. Is he who he said he was? Did he die on the cross? If he is who he said he was, and if he died on the cross, then doesn't that make him Lord, not just Savior? Doesn't that mean you need to exchange your life for his life, if indeed that is who he is? See, he died for me. I die in him. He died my death. He took my place so that I might take his place before the Father. And through his death, I am set free. Free from sin. Free from death. So the blood shed by Jesus Christ was a victory. And these men had to start there in their spiritual condition to understand that there's peace and fellowship with God as we come and die with him and realize that we have died with him. Second then, he led them back to the word of God. And I want to suggest to you that's where everything has to start. I tell you, we're not reading the word of God anymore. We come to churches, we don't even have to open our Bibles. We need to return right here and that's exactly what he did. Look at verse 27. He expounded them all the scriptures, things concerning himself, all the way through the prophets in the Old Testament up to the present day. And I want to tell you, these men loved the scriptures. They had heard the scriptures from Jesus before. Right now they didn't recognize who it was. But think what it meant to be there and to actually have someone teaching you the scriptures who was Jesus himself. Can you imagine instead of Pastor Ed or Derek up here, it was Jesus actually teaching you the scriptures? But they didn't realize yet who it was. But see, he's here to teach you the scriptures and to tell you who he is and what he came to do. At that moment, the one who was the word became the living word to them. Verse 32 says, did not our hearts burn? And notice that word heart. It wasn't their minds. It was their hearts that needed to have the scripture. And they said, do not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us, while he opened the scriptures to us. See, the heart is the key to a personal, passionate relationship 
with Jesus Christ. He's not just looking for your brain. He's looking for your heart. And your heart means more to Jesus than anything else. Anything you can name, the most important thing to Jesus today is your heart. Jesus lives to have your heart. Let me ask you, who does your heart belong to today? Oh, that cute boy, that cute girl, that neat relationship. Where is your heart? Who does it belong to? See, if Jesus has your heart, then he has your obedience. If he doesn't have your heart, he'll never have your obedience. Obedience is a heart thing, and God has to have your heart in order for you to be obedient to his word. And one of the surest signs that Jesus is drawing near to you is if you have the Bible living again. These men, their hearts grew in, in, in excitement because the scriptures had been opened to them. Is the Bible living for you, or is it just a dead book? He's the living Christ because he's the living word. And if Christ is dead to us, and if he is not risen to us, then the Bible will always be a dead book. It only comes to life because he is alive, to bring it alive to you. The Bible became a living book to these two men. Finally, he revealed himself in the breaking of bread. Boy, I, wanted, I want you to really get a hold of this today. Look at verse 30. As he sat at table with them, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And then in verse 31 it says, Then their eyes were opened. It wasn't until the breaking of bread that their eyes had were opened and they knew him. Now, I tell you what, folks, we look for the glorious, we look for the miraculous, we look for some big spectacular thing, but God reveals himself to us in the simple things. And in the simple breaking of bread, these men saw Jesus for who he was. Now, I think two things happened when Jesus broke bread that day. First of all, they remembered the story that the other disciples had told how in the upper room Jesus had taken bread and said, this is my body broken for you. He took the cup and says, this is my blood, my cup shed for you. And they remembered the story. But I want to tell you what really drove it home for you. And it doesn't say this, but this, this is what I believe happened. I think when Jesus, you know, maybe he was wearing a robe, we don't know, but I think when he reached out, that, that, that robe just kind of slipped down. And as he reached out and he took that bread and he broke that bread and he blessed the bread, they saw the nail scar. They saw the pierce and they recognized this is Jesus. And as soon as they recognized that that was their Savior, he disappeared from their sight. But the story isn't over. See, those scars represent things to us too. Because the Bible says everyone who comes to faith in Jesus Christ, our names are inscribed upon the palms of his hand. And I want to tell you, if you know Jesus today, and the first time you get to heaven and you reach out and you take hold of the hand of God, you're going to see your name there written over that nail-scarred hand. Have you come this morning looking for Jesus? You're not going to find him on the cross. You're not going to find him in the tomb. 
The only place you can possibly find him is in your heart. He is either in your heart or he's not in your heart. Have you come here today with baggage? Maybe with burdens? Oh, you know, we all sat around, we had enjoyed meals, but, but really, if we really got down to really talking about what was going on in our life, there's baggage and there's burden. Maybe guilt, discontentment, weariness, grief, doubt, fear. And maybe you're like these, these two men on the road to Emmaus. They had lost hope. They had lost their gladness. Are you here looking like you were baptized in pickle juice? Sour, sad, defeated. Let me ask you, was there a time when Jesus was real? More so than today. Have you felt abandoned, deserted? Jesus just doesn't mean to you what he used to. Maybe like these two men, you haven't lost your desire. You, you desire Jesus, but somehow you need to rediscover him. He needs to become something fresh and alive and dynamic and new. Not what he was months ago and years ago or decades ago, but something new and fresh and rediscovered today. Maybe you're looking where you might find him. Maybe you've been searching. You've tried a lot of things and nothing satisfies. The first step to renewed fellowship and peace with God is to come face to face with the death of Jesus Christ. He claimed he was the son of God. He died on the cross to die for your sins. And he says, as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. You also need to come back to God's word again. Come back. Allow them to become a living book in a fresh way today. See, Jesus is alive today to have your heart. That's it. He wants your heart. Does your heart belong to Jesus today? If Jesus has your heart, then he'll have your obedience. If he doesn't, he won't. It's that simple. But I want to tell you, you cannot return to Christ and be renewed to him and remain the same. It will change. So as we bring this down, have you seen Jesus today that it is the Lord? He is who he said he was. Nothing else matters this resurrection morning other than this. It is the Lord. And if that certainty, once again, fills your heart that it is the Lord, then the only thing that's left is for you to live for him. Living for Jesus. Are you living for him? Does anyone even know that you belong to him? 
If Christ is risen, then live for him. And that deep certainty that it is the Lord, that he is who he said he was, and I'm renewed in who he is, once again, in your heart, what you'll do is go tell others that you've seen Jesus. You know, after supper, these men, you got to realize it was dark. It was seven miles back to Jerusalem. But they were so excited that they had met Jesus that they walked those seven miles back to Jerusalem, and they got there. Uh, by then, Jesus uh, had been seen by by Peter, and they were all talking about it, and they said, hey, we have seen him too, and he's alive to be encountered. You cannot draw near to Jesus and remain the same. Let's bow together, and I'm going to ask some questions here today. I want you to bow to here. This is between you and God, nobody else. I'm not going to ask you to do a whole lot except recognize your need before God, period. I want to talk to you that have come to faith first. If there's been a time in your life when you accepted Jesus Christ into your life and you know that he is the Son of God who died on the cross and you've accepted him, uh, I want to ask you some questions. Heads bowed. Was there a time you loved him more? You were more committed, more on fire, more desiring? And you'd say, Pastor, just, just pray for me. I, I want to be renewed in what I already have. I, I want to find him in a fresh and meaningful way. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Yes. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Anyone else? I know Jesus. I've accepted him. But I, I need to be renewed. I need to find him fresh again. Anyone else? Right, here comes a more difficult question, but even the most important question. Maybe you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and to transform you, to be your Lord and Savior. And maybe you're realizing, man, it is the Lord, but I've never asked him to come into my life. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. The Bible is very simple. If you don't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my Father which is in heaven. If you're here and you need to ask Jesus to come into your life right where you are, I'm not going to embarrass you by asking to come down. I will have a prayer with you. Just raise your hand and say, I need Jesus. I need to have him for the first time come into my life. Has everyone here come to faith in Christ? Is there anyone that has not and you want to make that sure today? Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity we've had to come and worship. And Father, as we've looked at these two men, we saw the struggles that they had, and we saw how you met their needs. I want to thank you that because he lived, they could live. And the same is true for us. Because you live, we can live. In Jesus' name, amen. all because he lives we're going to sing that song because he lives but I want to remind you of some of the words before we sing it he got sent his son and they called him Jesus he came to love heal and forgive what happened in return is that he bled and died on the cross this wasn't by mistake though this was all planned out even before the creation of the world But he didn't stay in that grave. We know that there is an empty grave that proves our Savior lives. 
And so because he lives, we can now face tomorrow. Because he lives, all our fears are gone. And because we know that he holds the future, life is worth the living. It's all because he lives. Let's let's stand and sing that song. sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal and forgive. He bled and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior as he lives, I can face tomorrow, because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know who holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he And then one day, I'll cross that river, I'll fight life's fine, no war with pain. And then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow, because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know who holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he Life is worth the living just because he lives. Is life worth living because he lives? It is, right? So live your life this week because he lives. Amen? All right, may you have a blessed week.